that have happened in before in, they were ever born. Uh, this is from the Beloit Mindset List and some stuff I've put together. Uh, this group that is graduating from high school now, they've never heard Harry Carey sing during the seventh inning at Wrigley Field. As a matter of fact, they don't even know who Harry Carey is. Uh, Vladimir Putin has always been calling the shots at the Kremlin. Cloning has always been a mundane laboratory procedure. Serena Williams has always been winning Grand Slam singles titles. Wow, do you not feel old when you start seeing some of these? Um, SpongeBob SquarePants has always lived at Bikini Bottom. Uh, they have never had to watch or listen to programs at a scheduled time. If you want to reach them, you'd better send a text. Emails are oft ignored. They disagree with their parents as to which was the first Star Wars episode. <laughs> NFL coaches have always had the opportunity to throw a red flag and question the ref. Bluetooth has always been keeping us wireless and synchronized. John Elway and Wayne Gretzky have always been retired. Wow. They have never seen billboard ads for cigarettes, but for Alexander Shinara, they have seen them all. <laughs> Airline tickets have always been purchased online. Michael J. Fox has always spoken publicly about his battle with Parkinson's. Sonny Bono, Frank Sinatra, and Flip Wilson have always been deceased. <laughs> Times, they are a-changing. The world is full of change. Oh, wait, I don't want that yet. Come back. <clears throat> but you'll, you're going to like it when you see it. <laughs> the world... <laughs> like a machine we run here. The world is full of change, but there's this unchanging truth that I want us to see today, and it has to do with the centerpiece of Christianity. In just the moments we have ahead, uh, I know that most graduation messages center upon this, hope for the future, uh, that you have a destiny in the Lord, live godly lives, and I am for all of those things. Uh, but today, I, I want to give you a part of the gospel that I think is oft neglected, and it's this. What happens when I screw up? What happens when I mess up? What happens when things go wrong? What happens when I sin or am sinned against in the world to come? Because here's the one thing I'll promise you, it's going to happen. Uh, if you want to look around this room, one thing you will see are people that have messed up. Some of them quite spectacularly. Some of them you don't know about. Some of them you do. What happens, what happens then? This video that I started, this is from last week. Uh, this young lady, 24 years old, um, <clears throat> Yeah, she's doing exactly what you think. She's smashing in the windshield of her boyfriend that she has just gotten word has cheated on her. And so she's smashing in his windshield, and this goes on for quite a while. She is going, and by the way, this is Coleman, Alabama justice. Uh, this is in a parking lot in Coleman. Uh, I wish Stacy were here today because this is how 
don't cheat on a Coleman woman, is what this has to say. This 24-year-old woman was arrested for disorderly conduct, and here is what she, she dances a little bit. I don't know if you get to see her. Um, and stays on the cell phone the entire time. Here's what she said afterwards when she'd been arrested. I already knew going into it that I would have to face some consequences, and you know it kind of sucks. But like I said, I prayed about it and stuff, <laughs> and I did it anyway. Most of the time, when you do something wrong, you'll know it. No one is going to have to tell you that you did something wrong and it'd be a surprise to you. The question is, what then? What then? I want to go back to a, a familiar biblical story, summarize it quickly, and give you a couple of points. And it's, it's the story of the thief on the cross. When Jesus was crucified, he was crucified between two common criminals, two thieves. They were hoods, they were thugs, they were probably killers. We don't really know, we don't know their names, we don't really know anything about them other than the description that they were thieves. Tradition suggests that they were political revolutionaries, probably wanting to overthrow the Roman yoke of government. They were probably ruthless men, but we don't know really anything about them. We don't know their names, we don't know their hometowns. We do know this, they were supporting players in the greatest drama of all time. It might appear that they were exactly the same, but they were different. Both had been severely beaten. Both were on the verge of death. And in the conversations we hear with Jesus, between Jesus and these two thieves, what we see is, and here's what I want you to hear. One man wanted escape, not forgiveness. One man wanted forgiveness. And when we're caught in our wrongness. One of the things I've experienced as pastor over all of these years is I find people many times, even people who say they're followers of Jesus Christ in one of these two camps. One may really be seeking forgiveness, but there are others who all they want is escape from the consequences of their actions. So though this story is presented kind of as an entry point into the kingdom, entry point into the gospel, I believe the gospel goes through all parts of our lives. It's not just about how we get in. The gospel is about how we live and about how we fail and how we recover. Here's what the story from the book of Luke says. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they were crucified with him along with the criminals one on his right and the other on his left. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself 
and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. What, what does this account tell us about forgiveness? And again, here's what I want to say. Many people will look at this passage and say, this is just about getting into the faith, getting into becoming a Christian. And then after I become a Christian, it's all about what I do. I don't believe that's the case. I believe that this is a story that tells us not only how we live, but how we die. It's about the good news of Jesus Christ. And I think in it, it shows us a couple of things. First is amazing faith. It shows us that, that through faith in Jesus, we receive forgiveness. This thief on the cross, he says to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now think about this. Is this not remarkable? The thief is dying on a cross. And he looks at Jesus, who is also dying on a cross. And he says to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What about Jesus dying on the cross made this guy think this guy's a king with a kingdom? I mean, there's nothing in Jesus at the moment. We don't know if this guy ever heard Jesus teach. We don't know if the guy ever saw Jesus do a miracle. We don't know it, that he witnessed any of the coming kingdom. But there was something about Jesus and the way he was dying that the thief was able to place faith in another dying guy on a cross. You see, faith is not about what we see or what we experience. It's about God's work. It's an amazing. Amid the blood, the gore, the horror of the moment, this man believed. He had faith. You see, when circumstances surround you, when your life goes south, when you go south, when things are really bad about, and circumstances make you not think that there is a God, that's when faith really kicks in. That's when faith says, he's right here. He is a king with a kingdom. The thief on the cross was dying for his sins. He was a guilty man, justly punished. But he realized in Jesus that there was something different, that here was an innocent man dying. And he, he believed. And again, his faith, his faith was complete enough, but his knowledge wasn't all that hot. I mean, he didn't know stuff. In other words, it wasn't about what he knew intellectually. It's about what he received in faith that changed him. When you mess up, and again, you will, I want to encourage you to come back to faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, everything is possible, including your forgiveness. The story also 
is a, is a story of amazing hope. The only thing more outlandish than that thief's request, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, is that his request is granted. Jesus answers him, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. As absurd as it may appear, this is exactly what happens. He who deserved hell, this thief, receives forgiveness. He receives relationship. How could this thief get eternal life? I mean, really, think about this. Is it really fair that this thief is going to receive eternal life? I mean, he's never going to do one good thing for Jesus. He's never going to tell anyone about Jesus. He's never going to go to church. He's never going to give any money. He's never going to usher. He's never going to be a greeter. He's never going to He's never going to do He's never going to get baptized. Is it fair that this guy gets to go to heaven? You see, that's the hope that we live in. We we too often value things that really aren't valuable. And place little value on the things that really are. Max Lucado, in one of his books, he tells a story, a true story about these criminals who broke into a store. And what happened is they didn't steal anything. All they did was, as a practical joke, change the price tags on all the items. They went around the store and they just put like a, you know, a, 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 a price from a... a stick of chapstick on a boombox or a TV. or They just changed all the values in the store. They didn't steal one thing, and then they left. Here's what is really remarkable, as Max Lucado tells the story. Store opens the next morning. They don't notice anything wrong. It takes them four hours before they realize something's gone wrong. Some people paid outrageous prices on some things, and some people got a bargain. Four hours to recognize that values had been shifted. Listen, today we go through our lives without realizing that values have shifted. That the things that are the most valuable, we devalue. And then we elevate things that are really not. You see, even in Christianity, we, we elevate appearance and performance. And say these things are really a big deal. This thief guy, he's proof that appearance and performance are not what God's looking for. He's looking after faith and a heart that's completely his. You see, no, ba no matter how bad you mess up, there is hope. And I'm not talking about hope like I hope I get out of this or hope that's wishful thinking. I'm talking about a substantive hope that's built on the person of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, don't, don't value things that really aren't that valuable. As I get older in my life and existence, I realize the things that I once thought really mattered, they, they really don't. Third one, it's for you, Mr. Buddy, amazing grace. 
How, how did this man get into heaven? How did this man get into heaven? It is by the mercy and grace of God. I mean, strictly speaking, how did this thief get into heaven? Only by God's grace. It's the grace and mercy of God. Jesus, you see, was not just another man dying on the cross. He was a perfect man, one who had never sinned or done anything wrong. He was the Son of God. He was God incarnate. It's hard to wrap our minds around, I know, but this whole truth that Jesus, Jesus is God and God died on the cross, Emmanuel, God with us. Every mistake, every shortcoming we've ever done or had or will do is the Bible calls sins. You guys have been raised in this church. You know these terms. Um, these mistakes and shortcomings are sins, and we, we can't pay the price for our own sins, so Jesus did it for us on the cross. The debt had to be filled. Only Jesus had the currency that could pay this debt. And he took the debt and canceled it on the cross. Here's the truth that many Christians have trouble, that I find struggle with. They, they, they're okay with this idea that when I, my whole life before I came to know Jesus, God forgave me of. Most Christians can get that. I came to Jesus, that whole thing. I mean, there are some who struggle but more than others, but for the most part, we get it. The part that most Christians that I've come in contact with struggle with is that the grace of God is there to forgive me for the sins I've committed since Christ came into my life. They think that now, now I got to do something to pay for the sin that I've done Jesus covered me up. Are you with me so far? I may not be saying this very well. But Jesus covered me up till I came to know him. But since I got to know him, then now when I fall, now when I struggle, I must have to pay the price. No, 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 no. He paid it for you then, now, and even in the future. That's how amazing this grace is. I mean, that's why it's called the good news, this gospel. He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. You see, you know, there's a show called This Is Us that's been on lately, and it's about a family and their life. I, Kathy and I really like it, but I don't recommend shows or movies, as you know. <clears throat> there's a joke. Uh, one of the things I think we need to see that on the cross, that thief, that's us. That's us. We, we will never do anything good enough. We'll never do anything big enough. We'll never do anything right enough to deserve the fact that Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. As you leave fullness and go off into your life ahead, couple of important questions. One, have you received this Jesus for yourself? You see, we understand that as you go to college, really this is the point in your life where your, your faith has got to become your own. You know, hopefully over the years we've, we've helped you with that at Fullness where 
It's not just your parents' faith, but it's becoming your faith. But that'll become more real in the days ahead. As you get out from your parents' home, as you go away to college, I, I want to encourage you, as you go into the academic world, as you're challenged in your faith, is Jesus the one who really leads your life and directs your path? It's the only way to have a relationship with God, your creator, is through Jesus. And then the second one is this. So the first question is, is Jesus really the one who leads your life and has forgiven your sins? Is he your savior? The second one is another one. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, what do you do when you mess up? Do you want to just escape the consequences or do you want forgiveness and a restoration of relationship? Because forgiveness and restoration is always available to you. Paul finds this dilemma in the book of Romans. See, here's what I would like to say. Hey, go out, live holy lives, don't sin. But as good a place as this is, and you may not know it, but there are a bunch of people here who have messed up a lot. What happens then? Paul says this, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And here's what he's saying. No matter where sin is, grace is bigger. It's always bigger. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul's saying this gospel is so unbelievable that no matter where sin is, grace is bigger. Sin, grace. Sin, grace. Sin can never overcome grace. But then he kind of anticipates the argument. Wait a minute. Does that mean I should go on sinning because grace is always going to conquer it? And he says, heck no. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. Here's what Paul says. Look, you're free not to sin anymore. You're free. You're free from the mastery of sin. But, by the way, when you do sin, grace is still greater. It's this tension in the gospel. And he's saying, come back to him. In faith, hope, and by the grace of God, when you stumble and fall, get up because God's going to forgive you. Come back to relationship with him. We here at Fullness, we love you guys. And we cannot wait to see what God has for you in the days ahead. We're so encouraged uh, by all that God's directing you. I mean, think about, we, um, we have five graduates um, here at Fullness. Um, I'm not sure where Ruthie's going to college, um, but we've got Wellesley in Boston, We've got Auburn and Alabama, University of Hawaii. We're going out from here to the world, all over the place. It's exciting to see what God has for you in the days ahead. I want to encourage you that as you go, know that we go with you. And that by God's grace, we're going to be praying for you. We can't wait to see what God has. 
And I want to know, let you know that even bigger than us, there's a great cloud of witnesses that surrounds you and helps direct you forward. There's a book by an author by the name of Gene Edwards. Uh, he's written a very uh, allegorical, symbolic work of, of what the work of Christ was like. And one of the volumes is called The, the Triumph. And in this, he, he's picturing the cross and the death of Christ, and it's from an angelic point of view. And in heaven, uh, he pictures Gabriel, and he pictures uh, this other angel he calls the recorder, the one who's kind of recording history and the book of life. And there's this conversation that happens between recorder and Gabriel at the moment of the cross. And I want to just read it to you in closing. At that moment, Recorder appeared beside Gabriel. In the name of all that is holy, Recorder, what is that? The face of the ancient messenger was aglow. Do not ask what it is, ask rather who it is. You mean that is a someone, a person? You mean a not only is it a someone, responded Recorder, it is a human being. A what? You heard me, Gabriel. You are not deaf. But that is impossible. They do not look like that. That which is approaching our realm, our now unguarded realm, is a human being. Not only a human being, but one who is very much one of the fallen race of Adam. The entire host had surrounded Recorder, hanging on every word. The shared thought in every spirit was, but who can this be? Recorder says, such glory, such beauty, such purity, such perfection. Never have my eyes seen the like. I have wondered about this moment since first the book of life was placed in my charge. The sons of light stood in wonder at the sound of Recorder's voice. Gabriel, both frustrated and frightened, did what no angel had ever done before nor since. Gabriel grabbed Recorder and shaking him thundered, If this is a who, then who is it? Paying no attention to such irreverence, an ecstatic Recorder threw his hands above his head and roared, Do you not know, hosts of heaven, have you not understood Sons of creation, do you not realize what grand a redemption your Lord has this day wrought? Do you not know who even now comes to join us in our realm? The face of every angel was blank. Then I shall tell you, go now, go out to meet him, for he is the first fruit of your Lord's redeeming blood. Do you not understand who comes this way robed in glory, robed in light, robed in perfect righteousness, robed in the very holiness of God, holiness of God, he comes into our midst blameless, unindictable, and without reproach. He is the first of a great multitude that will someday come to be known as the Holy Ones. Look at him as glory comes toward glory. Look at him, see his hands and feet. Just a moment ago, he died upon a cross, a criminal. Now, by the blood of the Lamb, he is glory beyond glory. Behold the thief.
Behold the thief, behold the criminal who died upon a cross, behold redemption. Out of pure wonder, awe, and exultation, the sons of creation unleashed a thunderous shout that almost cracked the vaults of heaven. The thief, the thief, it is the thief. With a quickness reserved only for angels, the heavenly throng poured out of an open portal, forming as they did a glowing procession of light that reached the tip of earth's skies. Shouts of joy and jubilation flooded the air as the Bedouin reached the staircase of angels who cried, The thief, the thief, comes now the thief to join us in our realm. By the blood, by the blood of the redeeming lamb. Lord, this morning we thank you. We thank you that the thief, like us, comes to faith through the precious blood of our Savior. Lord, I pray for these graduates that they would know that Jesus Christ is the one who rules their lives and forgives their sins. And I pray that at every moment of their life, when they stumble and fall, that they would be able to understand that it's through the blood that they're able to get up and restore. Lord, I pray that also they would realize that by your grace and by your might, they are free not to sin. May the great tension of life, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel cover us in everything. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We rejoice that we too, like the thief, all we have, all we have is what you've given. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand up with me if you would. <clears throat> we're going to close out the service, but as we do, after we're done, if you're here and you would like someone to pray for you, there are going to be ministry teams on either side of the sanctuary. Uh, if you would like to receive prayer, come and receive prayer before you leave. If you would like to talk to someone in our, on our staff, uh, just take out one of those connection cards in the seat back in front of you. You can drop it off at the welcome counter with your name and please call me. Uh, we'd love to have the opportunity to share.